everyone, and welcome to Light Conversations on Trauma podcast. Bringing conversations around hardship into the light. It's me, Peter Middleton, here, and I'll be hosting this podcast. This is a space for intimate and empathetic chat around trauma, big T or little t. We have regular sections to this podcast, so look out for them. And each episode, I'll be joined by a guest who will share their unique perspective. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Divya is an enthralling storyteller with a profound message about human potential. Divya Darling is devoted to illuminating the wisdom within. Having researched the mysteries of the mind for over a decade, obtaining degrees in neuroscience, psychology and cognitive sciences, and being an avid yogi and philosopher, Divya serves as a transformational brain trainer. As founder of the Intrinsic Brilliance Institute, a place where science and spirituality intersect, she equips entrepreneurs dedicated to being their best with practical tools to reinvent reality, sparking insights and enhancing intuition across the globe. Divya hosts silent retreats, facilitates workshops and brings a bright perspective to change management at conferences and corporate functions. Divya's zeal to enlighten up our world is palpable to all who cross her path. She has been featured in media outlets that span the spectrum from Sky Business News to Wellbeing Magazine and served leaders of companies equally diverse and dynamic. Lovely. So I'm here with Divya Darling and Divya, I'd like to ask you what's your vibe? I'd like to ask you, what's my vibe? <laughs> You're the one who's experienced it. You tell me, what would you say is my vibe? Yeah, interesting. Um, I think I've had a bit of experience with you. I'd say fairly limited experience, just very recent. But um, I'd say your vibe is curious, inquisitive, um, definitely very educated and and knowledgeable in the human experience and I think this is a perfect example of your vibe (laughs) asking me what I think about your vibe um I think I think for me I I see that you honor the reflection of experience in others I'm not sure if that's true or not that's what's true for me so that's cool. Yeah. Um, how's that sit with you? I honor the reflection of experience in others. I have been known to say, the cleaner the mirror, the quicker we see ourselves. Oh, that's and, excellent. I'm uh, um, unashamedly uh, vocal about my commitment to polishing my own mirror. Mm. 
That's true. From what I've seen on social media, that's very true. I mean, you, you the level of honesty that you bring to 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 that is is really really inspiring for sure. And I see that's a big part of um, of who you are. Um, so that's really cool. So you've picked out um, the first prompts that we're going to go with is riding the waves of change. Riding the waves of change. What does that bring to your life? What's in your mind for that? Just as you say it, I think of the chapter in my book, Enlighten Up, that is on the ever-changing self and the never-changing self. Oh, that's good. (laughs) And riding the waves of change is very easy I'm, I'm reminded of another article as well as you say this how um that i wrote about how i found steadiness in self and basically it was the experience of anchoring into my never changing self mm-hmm. my never changing eternal present consciousness self that is the self that was there when I was two and the self that was there when I was 20 and that self that is eternal consciousness that allows for much more flexibility in riding the waves of change because when we identify with the ever changing self, then, um, we, we feel quite limited in terms of what we're able to do and create because we've kind of hung our identity on it. Like, mm. this is me. I am this thing. So when people, let's say, identify with their jobs and then they change jobs, there's this sense of I don't have that identity or perhaps a relationship or, you know, yeah. uh, I'm the person that has pink hair, as I know someone like, like whatever these things are, well, you know, there will come a time that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. There will always come a time when that's not the case. So we can very easily ride the waves of change when we recognize that the only constant in life is change. Right. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And I I just listened to a podcast with Eckhart Tolle in yesterday that was very similar to that, and I've it's it's great to hear you talk about that um, sort of essence of who we are that that sort of sits sits amongst our different the different things we cling to in in our identity. Um. So. Yeah, that's that's cool. So the way that you live your life is is sort of trying to anchor to that or 
to you? Uh, well, how do you approach it? Well, I don't identify with um, anything <laughs> as long as I'm awake. <laughs> as long oh, as I'm good. awake. <laughs> um, and so then whatever happens can happen. Take, take COVID, for instance. Mm-hmm. A lot of people really struggled when COVID came around. They were like, oh everything's different, everything's changing to me. It's like just another day because every day is different when you're away. It's just yeah. another day. <laughs> just yeah. be present to what turns up and you'll just have whatever experience is there to be had. And so there really wasn't any kind of like um, feeling of change in my experience because mm. it was um I'm just present with okay what is this moment brought and so it was, it was like I had flown from Bali on the 20 on the 12th for a program that started on the 14th mm-hmm. um we had an intensive that weekend of March um earlier this year uh and so we did that weekend intensive and then there was a there was that um that was our illuminator coach training and then we had another client intensive and then the following weekend another uh another retreat in around immersion sanctuary and it was uh, in the middle of the client intensive just before the inner realm immersion sanctuary i heard the news that bali was closing its borders on friday and i was like oh guess mm. i'm not gonna go back there um and then my australian base is burly heads and then queensland was also closing its borders mm-hmm. so i was like oh well, guess I can't get there either. <laughs> really? So it was like, okay. So then I I posted um, I posted on Facebook like a, a curious question. I wonder what hashtag Stay the Fuck Homes views are on the homeless, like yeah. me. Right. I didn't really have anywhere to to go after that retreat, um, and. Uh, And then within three hours, uh, I had this beautiful apartment that my friend in, in, uh, she was in Finland at the time and she was like, well, my apartment's empty and ticked every single box of everything I could have possibly wanted in a place. Wow. Here in, in, what's it say, in less than three hours. So why worry when, when, Oh, we'll work out okay. <laughs> yeah. Just attend to what's there. What's yeah. in front of you right now? Let me just be present with what's here. And well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like that notion because yeah, the 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 worst the kind of worst and seemingly um hopeless moments in life probably fall around uncertainty and not being able to to fathom the safe where where the safety and security is going to come from or i guess uh, that idea around loss and grief um of of something that that maybe i perceive 
I can't live without. Um, so I'm curious, did you, did you feel like you had, was it, was it a home in Bali that you, you felt, did you feel settled there or so, so literally you were sort of ostracized. Yeah. My community is in Bali. Yeah. One of the biggest challenges I experienced here is there's no physical touch. I realized I had a conversation with a friend who, um, uh, in five love, love languages, oh, yeah. physical touch is his number one. And uh, according to that, it was my number three or number four. And in that, I worked out the reason why it's not a love language for me. It's like, it's like going to the toilet. It's just part of being human. I don't <laughs> consider it as a lot. Like it's just such a part of my life. That's like, I'm very generous with my touch. Um, mm-hmm. And my community in Bali is the same. <laughs> uh, and to not have any of that here uh, and to be in, in um, uh, the, like, you stand too close to someone and there's a woo, social distancing and all of that. It was, it was interesting. Uh, and I really enjoyed the, the, the game of it, the, the adjustment that was like, oh, okay, so we're playing this game by these rules now. Okay, <laughs> don't touch anyone, don't get too close to anyone. I <laughs> okay, good, good but, my, but my, um, my body felt the sensation of, like, skin hunger, like this uh, sense yes. of, of um, uh, well, it's, it's actually called skin hunger. That's what the sensation mm. is called. I read an article on it. Did you? Like, oh, but yeah, that's what it's called. And I, it's a label for the experience, but that was the experience that was, Oh, um, and it was just observing. Okay, that's what's mm. there now. Right. Um, and that's interesting. when we attach to the things that are external to us, if we think that we need, if we, as you said, perceive some sense of something external to create an internal experience, like if I have this, then I'll feel safe. Mm-hmm. Then we've missed the... the uh, um reality which is we generate all of our own experiences mm-hmm. so if i choose to feel safe i can feel safe i don't need to have a home to feel safe i don't need i don't need to have touch to feel loved <laughs> i don't need to mm-hmm. yeah they're sort of auxiliary i mean i like i like the the idea i read recently that that thoughts you know, thoughts. You know, thoughts can be cho- chosen, and thoughts triggers and affects. You know, the um, feelings and thoughts are effects on us, right? Um, we get to we get we get to live a constructed life in this on this planet. Um, that might be easier said than done sometimes, um, but yeah. Well, thoughts will arise. We choose what to attend to with our awareness. Uh The flashlight of our awareness will choose what to illuminate. Okay, that's good. That's really good. Thank you. I'm interested in the biggest um, moment of change for you. Um, I know that you wrote that in your 
social media post today. Um, the biggest moment of change. Um, well, in, in any case, the one that you wrote in your social post about um, leaving, um, I'm not sure if he was your husband. Is it Michael? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he um, was, is my husband. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that that, the, yeah, he still is my husband, even though we are together. That, that's a construct. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, cause, because the interesting thing about that is we were never legally married. Mm. But within the first week of us being together, mm-hmm. my brain started calling him my husband. Oh, really? And up until then, I I found that word loathsome. I did not like that word at all. That's and interesting. And the, the fact that my brain applied that towards him, it was like, oh, that's curious. That's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> because my previous partner before that, who I actually was, legally married to um i never called him my husband i called him my spouse or my partner because i did not have a husband Mm -hmm. and then michael comes along and within a week of us being together my brain's like this is your husband that's curious what would your what was your reflections on that be is that an energy thing or is it yeah it's it's interesting um, well, I've learned not to question the mm-hmm. wisdom that arises and just be like, oh, okay, so he's my husband. All right. Okay, <laughs> with the flow. Very good. So, I'm, so I guess what I'm curious about is, is throughout that whole process, sound, I mean, it sounds like, so you, you moved to Bali with, with Michael, right? And then how long was it before you left? And what, and what process, was it as easy to go through that process as, as you're describing now? Or was, was it a big seat of learning for you? Was it, was it riding those waves of change? Well, well the, in, the book Enlighten Up uh, mm. is all ab- about that journey and the five years of our partnering and how much I have changed in 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 that span of time how much I have grown and matured in that space that's amazing so would you say that that was a catalyst for you um to to become the person you are now or so yeah. To 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 own the person that I am now because oh, that's good. What I recognize is who we are is there. It's the seed that like an apple tree will become an apple tree, a walnut will become a, a walnut tree. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the seed is there, and when we have the conditions, the appropriate conditions, that can blossom. And the conditions that I needed was someone to polish me. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's such a. I think it's such a an amazing thing to find 
um, almost gratitude in, in those situations for that reason. Would you, do you resonate with that or is that just me? I absolutely do resonate with gratitude being an amazing thing to find. <laughs> um, in, in that particular. In every situation. Oh, for sure. In every situation. Yeah. I certainly feel like the hardest things that I've ever been through are kind of served as this sort of cracking open of, of to let the light to let let the light in, you know, and um, it seems it seems to be the it seems to be the mechanism of change, even. Mm. You know, if I was to make one small edit, I would sure, say, please, we don't find it, we choose it. Gratitude is okay. a choice. Oh, it is a choice. Choice we make. That's interesting. All right, that's good. Wow, that was incredible for that section. Um, so next one up is Love Through Hardship. through hardship I guess we can continue <laughs> continue the thread um, so what does that what does that mean to you what's a, what's a real example of of I guess what what I mean by this section is when we're going through hardship it's always good to have a support network and um, I wanted to hear people's um, experience of of that, basically. Well, speaking of having a support network, what I do recognize is if if not for having such a solid and steady, reliable partner in Deb, my business partner, Deb Mays, yeah. I would have struggled a lot more than I did not really having a partner in Michael, my life partner. Okay. When we got together, um, it was very clear to me that I was assigned love this man. And that was my, what the universe offered me to polish me. Love this man. This is your work. Love this man. Mm. And there were many incidences that um, I could have traumatized myself with. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I might have traumatized myself with if I didn't have a constant, steady voice of wisdom 
saying, what would love have you do right now? Mm. What would love have you do? These moments where I was being shouted at and chucked out and all kinds of things when his trauma was activated and yeah. and and I had the awareness that hurt people hurt people, but I didn't necessarily uh, yeah. have the resilience at that time and to remember that that is what I was there for, is to cultivate that, to learn that, to uh, step into that space. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the first year of our partnering was very tumultuous, very challenging Mm -hmm. in more ways than I can recount. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of um, highs and lows. And it was because we were both learning. Me, how to stay steady, not get yeah. energetically activated when someone was gone into trigger or attack mode so I could just stay centered and okay into your little yeah yeah and and uh so we were both learning self-mastery in our own ways and Mm. um yeah and a less humble version of me would have pointed the finger and said oh but he's he's actually shouting at me energetically what was i doing what was my energy doing? Was my energy still? What was my energy shouting? And so to really look for where is where is that in me? How is that in me? What am I seeing out there? And how is that true of me? And how am I creating that which is there? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, see that. That's, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because I I've also had very similar situations where the universe has said, you're going to love this person. And, and I said, okay. (laughs) And energetically there was deep connection. Um, but, um, there was also, you know, so that, that learning zone, the chaos of the learning zone sometimes. Um, yeah, and it's interesting to hear you say, what was my energy doing in that moment when he was losing it? What, what was I doing? How can I take the personal responsibility in that moment um, for my growth? Um, definitely, definitely resonate with that. And it's, it's interesting. It's really amazing, obviously, that you, that you had Deb in, in, that, in that moment just... What did what does she provide you, other than other than those sort of was it a centering thought that she said what was what would love do like where did that take you in yourself did, was it self love or was it love towards him or did it anchor you in in the thing that you you're talking about yourself 
that's always there in your essence? Well, I have learned now how to see myself in and through. Mm. But in those moments when he was lost to himself, he couldn't even see himself. So how could he possibly see me? Yes. Yeah, I, I struggled with that as as someone who I who when he was present, I was felt so truly wholly seen with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in in a way it was that was a transactional phase of our relating where I liked being seen and I liked being gutted and I didn't like when I wasn't seen and I didn't like when I wasn't gutted and and uh, mm-hmm. when I felt unseen or disrespected, I often turned to Deb and she would see the truth of me and call me back to myself and say, are you in separation right now? And remind me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really lovely. I suppose that brings up a, a big thing for me because being seen and being heard seems to be a really essential part of, of our experience here. Um, maybe perhaps more than even just what it is we're being seen and being heard with. Um, to be able to be truly seen by somebody seems to, seems to help, help to, to process our experience or, or, or just where, where we need to go from here. It's a, it seems to be impossible to, to do, I mean, not impossible because I meditate and I, I get there through meditation, um, which is maybe a conversation with a wider essence anyway. So that might suit my point, but um, yeah, definitely, definitely doing it with another human being is, it seems really powerful. And I can also I can also understand being lost within within trauma and, and that kind of self that you create to survive. Sometimes sometimes the kind of energy of trauma kind of just well, I mean it doesn't happen so so often anymore, but it, it used to just wash over me and I I couldn't yeah, I couldn't I couldn't get out from it. So it's good to hear you speak actually of, of the effects of that because, you know, it's, it's good to know. It's actually good to know. Like the possibility of, of what that state does to other people. And I think, I'm not sure how you feel about it, but um, I think a lot of people live their lives within that state. What would you say? Yeah, I would agree. A lot of people do live their lives within that state. Partially because they don't know anything else is possible, Mm -hmm. that anything else isn't available. 
Ashley, because they've never had clean space to really see what is theirs. It's really tricky when mm-hmm. um, most people have uh, their own preferences and agendas and, and I want you to turn up this way and you can, it's hard for us to know what is truly mine when, when we're in context like that. Mm-hmm. And so I am, I consider myself hugely blessed to have had someone so skillful, so clean, hold space for me so that I could do the same for others. Mm. Yeah, it seems like she was equally this kind of meant to be kind of person in your life. I, I hesitate to go there, um, but I definitely believe that. I definitely believe that it seems like she, that was a synergy for you and, and for her to be to be there. Well, she would say the same, that she wouldn't, she wouldn't have her, the level of growth and development that she has if she wasn't assigned to me because she was assigned <laughs> to me. I and, love that word. Uh, <laughs> and to support me in my maturation and um, mm-hmm. uh, the types of questions that I asked her, she hadn't been asked before and so didn't have the opportunity for that awareness to come to consciousness. Mm. So her learning and growth expanded hugely when we started, um, well, when I entered her life and Mm. Um, she's leveled up hugely in that capacity as well amazing that word opportunity um springs out of me which is really yeah that's really interesting isn't it it's, I, i'm thinking about the energetic connection of, of love really when you meet somebody it seems like an opportunity doesn't it it's like oh like what's this uh, <laughs> you recognize it sometimes it's it's electric and or sometimes you know, with my last partner, I met her in Chile and I was on a show, I was mixing a, a show, a concert in, in Chile and I met her and it was just like, this is love, this is, this is a deep connection. And it was just present there from the very moment, from the very start. So, you know, I started a long distance relationship between the UK and Chile. It's like, that is a long distance relationship for sure. But um, there wasn't any moment in my mind where I doubted that and it always seemed like an opportunity um, energetically as well as in my mind. Well, I'm learning how to discern between attraction okay. and love. Attraction guides us to be close to someone. Love, to me doesn't require being close to someone. I love lots of people. I see. I, I love openly and uh, generously and there doesn't need to be closeness in, um, there doesn't, they don't need to go alongside each other. The attraction to me is a sign of there is something for us to learn together in, in, our lives, you know, in this go-round. We've got something to discover with one another. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what the attraction indicates to me. And so when I notice myself attracted to someone, drawn to someone, I I kind of lean into that. And 
explore what is the nature of this attraction. What mm. what are we here to to do? So it's more like a, a proactive thing for you. Do you do that within yourself or do you bring it into the into the space early? Uh, we discuss it. We, well, most recently, I'm, it's only a new level of sophistication this year that I'm like, I've always recognized this is an assignment, mm-hmm. but to be able to like most recently with someone um, that I've felt a very, a strong sense of connection with, mm-hmm. um, it was surprising to me how it was like there was if I'm honest there was attraction there from the minute I saw his photo from the minute (laughs) the 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 Facebook request showed up there was already like there's something there (laughs) (laughs) and and these are the things I pay attention to because I'm mindful what is neutral what is centered and attraction indicates uh, a deviation from a centered state. Mm. Right? When we're attracted mm. to something, we're drawn to something, we're not neutral. No, that's a gem, that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it can happen. I mean, I, I've been observing these sort of synergies that come up as well. I think actually the way that we connected on Facebook through my friend and you just popped up on my Facebook and I was like, "Eh, she's someone I want to know. know." So I added you on Facebook without even thinking about it. Um, I just did that from your photo as well. And then when, when you accepted that request and I saw the, the types of things that you were posting, I was like, yes, you know, this is aligned. So it's an interesting I think it works both ways as well, like in in that kind of alignment and misalignment. But I guess that's the two <laughs> two sides of the pendulum from being pushed out of center. It doesn't always have to be the same learnings. What I'm recognizing mm. is the the what I'm attracted to in someone might not be what they're attracted to in me. Like it could be completely different learnings we're having with one another. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Uh, that's time on this uh, section. So let's move on to what's my inner critic saying. Uh, what are they going to think of you now? They don't even like me anyway. You're such an I idiot. I can't believe you did that. What's the point? They're going to abandon me. Why? You're not good enough. Who are you You're to an do? idiot. Um, Why should enough. I even try? I shouldn't do this. What are they going to think? Why even try? I should just give up. Hey, what's your inner critic saying? This is a good, <laughs> this is a good one for me. I think, I don't know, in my, I do a lot of, um, men, I've been engaging with men's work um, just because... That wasn't an aspect of myself. Um, I, I guess I, I felt drawn to it because I was missing um, an, an idea of healthy masculinity. And through that work, we, we started to understand what the inner voices were, inner critics um, that I was bringing. And I also joined your Intrinsic Brilliance workshop on inner parenting recently, which was amazing. 
Um, and we did a lot of work around the voices that we have in ourselves, childhood selves. Um, so yeah, I wanted this section just to be just to be an exploration into the kind of things that you that kind of loop around for you. Like I, I don't know if it's true for you or, but I have I have like a there's certain voices that loop like regularly, and I can observe them now and maybe listen to them, maybe not listen to them, but there are certain voices that seem to have more energy within me and take a bit longer to to process. So I was wondering if if that's your experience or and what they are. Well, I chose this section to speak to because uh, I want to encourage and suggest that, um, well, let me not say it, let me invite you to feel inside yourself and notice what happens when you, when you label those, that voice, the ones that have energy, your inner critic what the experience is like internally for you. I see what, uh, yeah, I see why you've chosen this now. <laughs> yeah. Because notice, that's framing it. Notice what happens when you say, that part of me. Mm. So it sort of feels this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because those voices are voices that have things to teach in a way, aren't they? They're, they're useful. And I definitely... Yeah. Well, I've definitely been changing my relationship with, with those voices. And I guess I use inner critic for a little f- facetiously in a way, which probably to my detriment. <laughs> but um, perhaps perhaps I used inner critic because it's... It's quite popular. It's quite a popular notion here as well in Britain. Um, but I, I completely agree with you. I've been changing my my relationship to those voices and seeing the, all of them as welcome and um, bearers of of information and yeah, and finding empathy. What have you noticed change about them as you continue to change how you relate with those voices? Mm. Yeah, it's, I think, I think, I actually think this is a huge source of centering for me and gratitude. Um, the kind of essence of who I am um, has really really um consolidated i feel just um i've become more sure become more um centered and and kind of have more self-esteem i guess i feel like labeling the inner critic 
is is a way to identify. Yeah, the Eckhart Tolle, Tolle um, interviews is is fresh in my mind. But he says that you know if you other if you other things if you make them the enemy, then it suits your egoic mind, and it gives you kind of power, and it allows you to to feel like you're somebody or or you're doing something and then maybe i see that slightly in this in this occasion it's like i'm i'm this person i'm not i'm not i'm not those previous people um but in truth if that's a little bit like trying to go back into the past and fix the past it's like you you initiate a battle with yourself and and then you're fractured and then and then you're you're fragmented by that so i do think this maybe i should <laughs> maybe i should change change the name of this section <laughs> yes but Although, i would encourage you to do that because when yeah. the the answer the, the the answers that we get will match the questions we ask so if you ask the question, what is your inner critic saying? You'll presupposed in that you have an inner critic, it's mm. saying something. Mm. These presuppositions are in, in that question. And, and to be introducing that into someone's reality, which, yeah, perhaps there is a, an element of pacing where others are up to. And mm. yet, mm -hmm. I see you as leading. Yes, indeed. Okay. No, you're correct. And thank you for calling me forward. That, that is indeed correct. I suppose what I was thinking was I wanted to call others forward in terms of what are those voices that might be the critic within them. And so, but I, I realised that I can frame it in a different way and it still be very useful. In fact, it could if I frame it differently, it'll be it'll be a more of a leadership role. So that's cool. Well, okay. So that's a good that's that was an amazing amazing teaching moment. Thank you so much. Um, so I guess then going forward is what what are your voices <laughs> rather than your critic? Um, don't have many to be honest anymore I, no. uh, yeah and it's 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 interesting because um it is pretty quiet up there yeah. it's nothing going on <laughs> that is interesting in itself i'm just attending to the thing that's there um yeah. I, we run silent retreats regularly right? We run silent mindfulness retreats at the entrance of Brilliance Institute, the Inner Realm Immersion Sanctuary. Um, mm. It's not a fully silent retreat. It uses silence as a tool and a vehicle. The six senses is more of a practitioner level retreat. And, and so mm. we're in silence for the whole time, except for the two hours of group coaching in the morning and two hours of group coaching in the evening. The rest of the time is all in silence. Wow. And, um, and it's engaging with each other in a deeply connected way, unlike Vipassana, where you're just in your own experience, don't look at anyone, don't talk to anyone, don't, just, just, you know, completely. Uh, this is let us be in connection with one another and notice 
how much we say when we move language aside. Oh, that's good. And so I have a level of awareness from those retreats, what's possible in terms of a quiet mind. Mm. And Deb and I facilitate that at a minimum twice a year. At a minimum twice a year, we're away on retreat. Um, as much for ourselves then because we know the importance of returning to that space yeah returning to that space where we're mindfully attending to what is the thing because we know in life there's lots of things going on we don't necessarily get to um be fully like when i'm chopping the carrot i'm just just in the mo this one motion of like feeling the knife in my hand, just chopping. And it's not, I'm not thinking about what am I then going to cook and what am I that? It's just one moment at a time. Mm -hmm. And over years of practice, that has cultivated uh, a relatively quiet mind. Mm. And I think that's and, important. That's important to, to know because I, I think that's extraordinary in our times and and I and I think that's a very inspiring thing um I've also reached a stage where my mind is is relatively quiet I can I can be just sit and observe um just be a part of what I'm experiencing so that's cool um Deb has a book called Silence The Hidden Path to uh, Success, Freedom, and Happiness. Yeah, wow. and, it, and it's got a lot of, um, it talks about the principles and then it's got some practices and then the science behind it as well. And it's a really, really powerful, powerful book. And there was actually a while where she recorded her meditations, like every moment of every thought that she had in her meditations. And I was like, oh, wow. I thought I had a quiet mind. And then I'm listening to your lifetime meditations <laughs> and it's these long stretches of silence that are about three times as long as mine before thought <laughs> comes in that's like, I notice my breath. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like a regular Buddha there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I just, I, I am very blessed that my mirror neurons get, get, that exposure because when we have, when we um, <clears throat> attend to something with intention, we cannot not be impacted by it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, I'm interested in that. Different. Yeah. Because uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yes. I was going to say, you know, as, a, as the mind, the construct of the mind, you know, um, to, to first uh, transcend a boundary, you have to perceive. You have to perceive transcending it, I think. that's a, That in itself is a thought. Um, but yeah, there's an interesting thing, I mean, about that reflection that you find in, in friends and loved, you know, loved ones and, and family. And um, they almost help you to to perceive what it might be like to to be that person. I think that do you would you agree that's the essence of, of mentorship and, and, and guidance 
in that way. Tell me more. Ask the question again in a different way. Um, okay. I'm not sure I understand but, what you're. No, it's um. So I'm just interested in in the reflection. Like you said, Deb, Deb had this, you know, energy that that could be mirrored in you. I'm not actually sure what I'm asking. <laughs> but um, I'm interested in, in that area, you know, like like having friends that kind of mentor you into a space, like and and the sense that you can't you can't be someone you don't know anything about. You know, you you can't transcend a boundary into a state of being that you can't first perceive what it might be like. So in, in the presentation that I'm giving tomorrow on bridging the gap between thinking something and being it, the first step in the process is to be able to conceptualize it, to have a concept. And so we need that first. Conceptually, we, we need that. So that's why a lot of um, spiritual teachers, mentors, whatever, will, will uh, speak of these things because they recognize that they can't actually teach it, but what they can do is be that finger that points. You know, that's it's so not good. the experience. Yeah, it's not the experience. But, but if, they, if they don't point, then, then the student's like, well, where, you know, the, looking all around and don't exactly, there's no concept without a, a pointer, an indicator to guide the attention. It's the flashlight of awareness needs to be directed. And like, like you know, from the inner parenting workshop, emotional and mental maturation must be facilitated, guided mm. by a competent adult. And um, I am um, very, very grateful that I have a competent guide that has supported me in that maturation, that listened to her guidance that said, this is, this is your assignment. You are to support her in her maturation. Mm. And that she committed to say, yes, I will be the humble servant. Yeah, that's great. I will do what is asked of you. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good. It suits. I've been doing a lot of reading around that, like how how the um, just because the body matures doesn't mean that the mind or the the spirit matures. Um, there's a very very um, actually observed and um, well documented process. Um, into the mature, maturation of the spirit, the human spirit. And I think, um, just a thought obviously, maybe more of a feeling that it's not that common actually, um, especially in Western society. We live in what is described as a patho-adolescent society. Um, so even our adults and our elders are a little 
adolescent in their spirit. So it's a challenge. I can't honestly say I have met any other being that earnestly says, let me take 100% responsibility for my reality. Let me take 100% and will commit to that um, as, as earnestly as I see in them. I have never, I've never come across that anywhere else. Wow. Um, That's incredible. What a compliment. Yeah, really cool. Nice. Wow. I, I recall many, many times when I was behaving insolently, <laughs> adolescently. <laughs> as, we words, as we must. <laughs> yeah, being a little shit, like, before, <laughs> like I was. <laughs> yeah. There's no other way to say it. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and her still in inwardly referencing there was no there was never i've never experienced any kind of blame or projection and this is where she is in her maturation right this is, mm -hmm. she's had her journey to come to right we, we mustn't ever compare where we are to you know where yeah. anyone else is she had her many years of lashing out at other people i right. just didn't get to be one of those people <laughs> yeah to 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 come to the space of okay, so this is what's here. How do I want to be being to meet what's here? Mm, mm. Yeah, and that's really important. Um, this comparison is a, is a trap. It is. But, um, and also for me as well, like I've had my years of um, lashing out at, at others. I think I think to reach this point is just necessary, isn't it? And mm -hmm. And also to forgive yourself for lashing out at those people and... I found that an, an enormous part of my journey um, because it's not pleasant, and and we we're all that we all go through those motions um, in in various forms. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, what joy! One one of the reasons why I was so um, able to be gracious with Michael is because. Mm -hmm. I had done my fair share of tantrum throwing in my previous relationship. Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and it's like it's like if if we could if you can recognize yourself in their behavior, it almost gives you that kind of space. And you mentioned the space, and I love I love quotes, and I just love the quote by um Viktor Frankl about space. Um space being the the it's like between stimulus and response, there's a space where we get to choose who we are and we get to choose our freedom. And that's, that's just beautiful to me. And I, I see that in, in that example. Because if someone's acting like in a way and you say, well, I can recognize that, okay? I recognize that from my past or even my present. Maybe maybe more the past. Um, then you're able to kind of access that that space there and be like, well, how did it go? <laughs> how did it go last time? And, and and how do I want it to go this time? 
Well, often most what, what the default is, if we're anchored into ego, ego would have us say that's separate and different, mm. right? What you're doing, and it will look for the ways like, yeah, but you called me names and you locked me out and, and I've never done those things. But if, mm. we're, if we're actually connected in the, on, on a deeper level, on a deeper level of truth, mm-hmm. knowingness, we are all the one. Yes. Mm. Then we can find the sameness in it. We can recognize, oh, you're throwing a tantrum. Yeah, I've done that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Then there's no conversation. <laughs> it's just quiet. <laughs> this is acceptance, yeah. <laughs> Surrender to the moment, possibly. Yeah. Ooh. Lovely. It's a real joy having this conversation, by the way. Uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. So I guess the last section that I came up with for this podcast is 3.15, and it's sort of really just an open space to for you to talk about whatever, whatever you want. You can share um, your favourite bit of artwork or, or music, or you can talk about whatever, or we can expand upon something we've already touched on today. What feels most resonant for you? What would you like to um, dive more deeply into? Let me just sit with that. Yeah, I think. I think what I mean, what resonates with me the most is that wholeness, and. And the idea around, because I joined um, your intrinsic brilliance, you have a Tao study group, right? Where we we studied the Tao Te Ching. And yeah, we had the, was it the first session um, for you you guys as well? That was amazing. And I'm just interested in, in the idea of, you know, like we just discussed about being able to recognize ourselves in someone else's actions. Maybe that, maybe that's truly understanding the, the wholeness or the oneness um, in some form. But I wondered, wait, I haven't really formulated how I feel about that. As I'll you give can you tell. the tool. I'll give you the tool that I taught my client this morning. I'll give you the talk that I taught my client this morning when he <laughs> when he was noticing that there was a big charge he experienced. Mm. Um, and uh, and I heard him say what the accusation was, and he was like, that that person is looking for immediate gratification. And and earlier in, in the conversation, he had shared something about um, wanting validation in the moment and one thing we can absolutely know to be true is when we are feeling emotion it is not coming from out there it is coming from inside it's not because someone said or did anything it's because some story that we've made up about the thing that they have said or done has been activated and our deeper wiser self is calling us to look at that there's some something that needs to be 
re-examined. And, uh, and so I offered him this tool, which we, we teach in YFC, our Your Successful Brain Training Program. We have many of these different uh, mindset hacks, if you will, brain training tools, so that we can actually be present and live life, mm. actually live life. So this one, it's called Spot It, You Got It. And it's about first and foremost recognizing, cultivating the mindfulness enough to recognize, oh, I feel a charge. So he noticed that, knew that he had some charge. Then when the charge goes, this, this, is, this is reframing to, to realize emotions are beautiful, valuable, amazing things that we will always have. They're meant to be there. They are messengers. Mm. from our wiser self they are messengers so when when emotion arises there's a oh good good it's like a little ping there's an email there's a memo something's coming through right so there's that emotion that's arisen and um and so for him to like nothing untoward is going on when anger arises there's there's nothing untoward happening there's like okay your system's giving you a memo pay attention how do you do that okay let it pass. 90 seconds, it'll go on its own. Um, if you, as long as you're not doing anything to fiddle with it, keep it around. It'll go on its own. And then you can, you can curiously ask, hmm, what's the accusation I would make of that person? Like, what, what, what am I seeing? Why am I so riled up? Like, what is it? Is it um, he this or they that or she never this or you don't this or what do you want to accuse the person of? The thing that you want to point your finger at and say, you're this. <laughs> <laughs> Let yourself do that. Notice, observe. What is that thing? And then notice the three fingers pointing back and say, how's that true of me? Yeah. How's that true of me? Yeah, I, was, I love that that three fingers pointing back thing. Yeah, that's incredible. Mm, yeah, that sits with me nicely for sure. And then that that reminds me of um of something in the inner parenting workshop about um getting excited when when triggers arise. And the sort of the, the books that I'm reading around shame at the moment also say, you know, affects feelings are effects upon us so it's it's um it's just an opportunity i think i think when when i was able to reframe emotions as as messengers and learn it and learning opportunities that was a huge change i like what you're saying about brain training and you know mindset building you know because there definitely is a way to be most efficient <laughs> with with living i mean we can live we can live in multiple ways you can you can live in unhappiness and and disease you can live i mean it's up to you it's a choice um i suppose that's what i was i was thinking about the inner critic is because a lot, i think a lot of people think the regular state of of being is very much an inner critic 
state of being. So I was wondering if I should reframe that or not, because to draw attention to the fact that that people are very much criticizing themselves is could be, could be a good thing. That is true of an untrained brain. It does run amok and it does tend to focus on the negative because we are wired that way. We we humans have a natural inbuilt negativity bias. Mm-hmm. Right? Thank you. Thanks to our ancestors. Who For safety. Needed that, that, that we naturally organically recall painful events twice as easily, twice as quickly. As oh, is that true? Oh. Yes. I have a neuroscience degree. So, yes. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. And when I, when I started in the field as a brain trainer, my, um, my expertise was on the science of gratitude. That's what was my signature keynote was train your brain to look for the good, the science of gratitude. Oh, that's incredible. And yeah. So, this. <laughs> um, and it's about recognizing that left untrained, left with, and that's why gratitude is such a powerful tool. Because gratitude trains the brain to look for uh, the the pleasant, the pleasurable. What can I be grateful? It's the antithesis of, um, you know, the the heavy, the negative, right? So that that is a, a brain training tool and strategy. Mm-hmm. Another one is to know that. All of our thoughts are illusions anyway. <laughs> the mind is going to make up stories. Whether they're positive or negative, they're still just stories. We don't yeah. have to believe any of them because yeah. they're just stories. We could just be here now in this moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we have a well-trained brain, it's a lot easier if we fall into story. If we get trapped into story, the brain's not like we're not then flagellating ourselves like, oh, I'm such a shit person. that doesn't happen it's it's a we fall asleep and this is a different quality of Mm. slumber (laughs) still not present but it's not as painful let's say or you know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and i suppose there's an aspect of that with um the social construct in a way like relationship um and sort of agreeance, you know, like constructive agreeance on, on, I suppose there's two ways to have, I mean, more than two ways, but I suppose a lot, a lot of relationships agree on the construct of who you are, like what that means to me, like, um, what you provide me, like what I provide you you know, where we live, <laughs> what do we eat in the morning? Um, and the list goes on and on. Um, so that's an interest. That's an interesting, cause you know, that all helps to build, to build that idea of self as well. So I like what you're saying about thoughts and, and whether you choose to believe them or not, they're, they're an illusion, which is in Buddhism, isn't it? It's, it's they call it Maya, I think. Mm, yep. Yeah. The Maya illusion. The, the, the 50 different tools in, in your success book, they're all based on ancient wisdom principles that are kind of dressed up in data because 
Great. But through our our experience, our science background, both Deb and I, we can we can recognize they're really saying the same thing in different words. Yeah, so that's, that's being fluent in 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 wisdom teachings and spiritual texts as well as scientists. Yes, so you can translate them into whatever language someone prefers. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I was, I, I came across the idea, and I'm a big believer that all, all of the cultures on the earth have something to offer, you know, some kind of wisdom. And I, I think it's, it's true, and it's well documented, you know, that all these things, all of the, all of the religions have similar themes in them. And I'm like a huge, I'm huge, I'm a huge believer in mysticism in that way, like, but paired with critical thinking, you know, you know. It's um, yeah. I think it's awesome. I, I, this is why I like, you know, I love your your approach with with Deb. Like, and I've been engaging with some of your stuff. It's been really good. So, I think that's the way forward, really. Um, so that's really cool. All right, so I think we're out of time, but I thank you so much. I'm so grateful for this conversation and and for your time and energy. It's a joy. So thank you very much for joining us today with your time and attention, which is equally as important to this podcast. And um, just want to recognize that. I'm very grateful. And join us next time when I'll be talking to Jesse Simpson. Take care.